What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Live Loud Life podcast. My name is Dr. Antonio Gurley, your host of the Live Loud Life podcast. I um, uh, hope you guys enjoyed last the last episode uh, where it was a dual episode with my wife, Nichelle. Uh, in that episode, we reviewed our first week doing the 75 Hard Challenge. For those of you who didn't check the episode out, I would encourage you to do so, mostly because you don't have to do the 75 Hard, but we talk about how implementing challenges, uh, like doing a challenge or a new resolution or something like that, we find that those to be great ideas because it sets goals and expectations. It provides a framework for you to be consistent, to reach and aspire for your goals. And more importantly, it helps you set habits, right? Uh, what, what we're trying to do is create habits that then in turn create positive experiences that help you into a feed forward mechanism. And those habits start to control your life in a positive way if they're positive habits, right? And, 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 and we find that that has been very helpful um, for a number of different people. And for us, having a good reset after um, you know a super busy 2021 for us, uh, a very busy end of the year, obviously with holidays and kids and things like that, it gets a little nuts and it gets a little crazy. And so that that January 1st, uh, you know, just turning that page and, 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 and setting up a plan to execute um, has been wonderful for us and our family of getting back into a routine of some things that maybe have uh, lost a little bit of time and attention. So be sure to check that episode out. But what we want to continue to do is just provide uh, you know, a, a, a well-rounded approach to content, right? And most of this content revolves around living loud, right? Being able to find ways, whether it be mentally and physically to take your life and move it to that next phase and level, right? We, in the last episode, we talked about momentum, a body in motion stays in motion, a body at rest stays at rest. And right. How can we help you keep that momentum in your life, get on to that next phase, get on to that next level, help you aspire to those goals. It might be aches and pains, right? Ways to self-manage it at home, uh, how we can help you in the office here, uh, a better rehab approach, how the conversation might be around uh, adjusting and load management and programming, um, or it might just be suggestions around movement. And what we're going to talk about today is a few of the tips that we give for deadlifting, right? Now, the application of deadlifting, and we're just going to dive right into it, goes beyond actually just deadlifting in the gym, right? A lot of people talk about functional movement. You've heard this before. And while it can be overplayed oftentimes, what we're trying to portray with this is here's how you pick things up off the ground. Ideally, we want it to be heavy at some point so that we can uh, create more adaptation within our muscles, within our joints, so on and so forth. And it bodes confidence in you when you can pick up heavy stuff and then you're exposed to a task or something, whether it be random, you're doing yard work, so on and so forth, you feel like you have the confidence to be able to complete something without the worry of tweaking your low back, throwing out your low back, whatever that might be as far as a previous injury, um, but also just feeling like, you know, you're, <laughs> you're a strong, capable human being, right? And one of the, th- and, and we, and we highly emphasize this and push this hard with that aging population. After the age of 40, you start losing muscle mass unless you do something about it, right? Now, we do know as you you get older, you can, you know, we're, as we age, it's, it's harder to gain muscle and it's harder to lose fat, so on and so forth. That's why we really have to set up, you know, the younger years of setting up for healthy lifestyles, but it's never too late. You hear of these stories of people in their seventies and they get diagnosed with something and they're like, I need to make a change. And all of a sudden they put in the work and they look amazing and they feel amazing, so on and so forth. Right? So with the deadlift, we give it to everybody. 
right? We give it to everybody. We, we help improve the movement pattern, the shape, the function, so on and so forth because of that application. Now, again, mentioning we're parents, right? A lot of people that we work with are parents and newer parents. And one of the, one of the things that we see very commonly for both moms and dads is an increase in lower back discomfort. It's never anything super significant, right? Although with some females, depending on the position you're pushing, which actually now could be another whole episode that now that I'm thinking about it is talking about the benefits of the birth team that you use to find different ways and better ways for you to push, right? Traditionally, traditional, we see kind of on your back heels and stirrups. And in that kind of leg squat press position with the tuck spine, that puts a lot of compression on the lower back. So that's in a side note, but for everybody else, you're bending over constantly. You're picking up the baby, you're setting the baby down, you're picking up the baby, you're moving the baby, you're sending the baby down, changing diapers on and so forth. So we talk about that hinging pattern and how to improve the hinging pattern to reduce extra load with on the back. So the deadlift, the deadlift is, is, is you're picking up dead weight off the ground, right? So a barbell, kettlebells, stand bag, you know, application could be anything obviously, right? But we're going to go over five, five tips that, that kind of encompass a general kind of, Hey, if you've never done it before, or you're looking to improve your deadlift, here's a few things that you should really consider to help you leverage your deadlift, right? And when we say leverage, leverage means you are using your body in a better way to move the weight. Now, if we are inefficient, that could be beneficial because you're doing more work and that can create more adaptation, right? But if you're more efficient, then you're able to lift more and that's going to actually make you even stronger. You see, what we're getting at with that. So when we're talking about leverage, it's going to change based on anatomy. And we've had this conversation time and time again with varying your squat stance, so on and so forth. And this not, that's not what this is, this is about, but just understanding the application is going to be different from you. And you got to take this information and see how it works for you and feel it out. Now, if you haven't done deadlifts before, you know, we wouldn't, we would encourage you to find a coach or someone that can help work with you because there are some, and, and this is not, this is not saying if you just do this, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to greatly affect you're going to have perfect, uh, perfect technique, if you will, quote unquote, uh, but it's going to help a lot. And so we encourage you to work with someone that can help you with that technique and understanding your anatomy and your biomechanics to help you have a better deadlift, uh, and, and work within the constraints of what your environment is, what your weights are, so on and so forth. So and if you want help more than happy, we do virtual consoles. We do virtual sessions to help coach you through those so that you feel more confident about doing this stuff on your own. So, uh, I'm just going to be peeking down on my notes here just so I make sure I hit all the topics uh, that I want to be talking about. But one of the main things that we want to talk about when we're talking about levers is the weight, the bar or, or whatever you're picking up is too far in front of you. Now, obviously the environment is going to dictate how far away it is, right? But one of the things we always talk, we always try to encourage people to do is like the closer the weight is to you, the easier it's going to be on your lower back. And we're going to have an associated video with this podcast that's that's going to break down all the movements so that you can see me going through it and describing it as well to get a clearer representation of what we're talking about. But imagine this, imagine you're moving, right? And you have a heavy box that you're holding in front of you. Most of us would keep that box fairly close to us because the further away, 
way, if I raise my arms out in front of me, the further away the weight is from me, my body's gonna experience like that, that weight is heavier. So if I take 12 pounds and I just have it kind of here close to my chest, imagine like a, a kettlebell or something doing a goblet squat with, if I raise that weight straight out in front of me, if I just push my arms out straight out in front of me, the weight has the weight that I am experiencing has magnified based on the lever arm length of the lever arm, <laughs> the lever arm length of my arm, right? And with that, you're going to feel your lower back muscles and everything grab and turn on because they're anchoring your arms, which are holding, holding the weight. So when we're talking about deadlifts, if that bar is too far forward, that's going to increase the lever arm away from the actual hinge point of which we're, uh, we're, we're articulating around and will put more, uh, put more force or load into the lower back. Now, is it going to hurt you? Depends on the load. We really don't know, right? But when we're talking about efficiency and mechanics, we want to make sure that that weight is as close to us as we can be. Now, the issue with the barbell deadlift sometimes is a lot of people, they don't want to scrape their shins, mess up their knees, so on and so forth. So that barbell ends up taking a much greater path away from them as they don't, as they try to move around their knees and their legs. So we're huge proponents of doing, um, you know, maybe heavy sumo kettlebells. You could do dumbbells. Anything that allows you to kind of go in between the legs so that you don't have that uh, external environment that's throwing you off, if you will. Now, if we're doing the barbell, another option that might help you keep that weight closer to you is modifying your stance. Modifying your stance would, would be moving away from what would be kind of considered the conventional deadlift where your feet are right underneath your hips and then your arms are outside of your, your knees or your feet, which, which work well and, and can be perfectly fine for a number of people. And you obviously see it with world record holders, so on and so forth. But for some people, doing a modified sumo where my arms are actually in between my legs allows me to open my hips and actually keep that weight a little bit closer. And again, we'll review some of this in the video that's going to be associated with this podcast. Okay. So bar to forward puts more strain or force onto that lower back. Now, uh, the, these two kind of go hand in hand, but they're going to be, uh, they're going to be different points if you will, but, uh, jerking too fast, right? So when doing uh, barbell deadlifts, if it's weights that you slide on, we're going to talk about pre-tensioning, right? You kind of wedge yourself into the bar. So what that means is as you're starting to set up, you're going to pull the bar into the weight to where you hear this, this kind of click. That's where the bar is tensioning into the plates that's associated or loaded upon it, right? So this means I've now clicked and I've loaded and that kind of pre-tensions my spring or my body as a spring in a system being ready to pull. But what we see oftentimes is that that step gets missed and people just start yanking it really fast off the floor and that's that jerking type of motion. Now, if you're doing Olympic lifts and different things like that, yes, it's fast, but we still need that pre-tension moment as we're loading the system up, okay? So what can happen is when you jerk too fast, you're, you're basically pulling the weight off the ground before the rest of the body is ready. And if you imagine the, mo the movement, right, what's the barbell attached to? My hands. My hands attached to my arms, my shoulders, and my upper body. So if my upper body and everything else is moving faster or up before the rest of my lower body, you're going to start to see that lower back and that back in general start to flex or bow under load. And that's where we, we can see 
issues start to rise, lower back pain issues, so on and so forth. So we want to be careful about jerking too fast. Now, we it, it still can be a fast movement where we're talking about that initial phase just blasting off the ground and creating issues. Now, with that, we can also see the opposite true, right? Where our hips raise too fast. So what we're talking about in the first case Hands are attached to the barbell, and so I try to rip it off the ground, and my upper body raises too fast because I'm trying to get the bar moving, right? The same is also true. Let's say you preload, you get the little click in the bar, you're spring-loaded, and then all of a sudden you start to lift, but your hips raise and the weight doesn't raise, okay? So hips come up. Barbell doesn't move quite yet. Your 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 tension. Your what your body is essentially trying to do is put more tension or more elastic potential energy within the posterior chain. So it's not bad, but that should be part of that preload sequence. So that way you're not doing it in like a one-two step. Realistically, as you preload, the hips might rise a little bit to preload that elastic tension in the posterior chain. And then you go as one unit. But what we see is someone loads themselves up and then they start the movement, but the hips raise and then the barbell raise. So you get kind of like this teeter-tottering, jerking motion. And what, what again is in the middle of that system is your back. And that can, again, put you in a precarious position for potential injury, but also it just reduces your force output. When you're doing this kind of one-two jerk system, you're not working efficiently as a team or a system, making things not as effective and efficient. So what we see is we're talking about effectiveness and efficiency, right? To allow you to lift more weight, but that, 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 uh, the converse or the other side of that equation is if we're not effective and efficient, that could sometimes potentially lead to uh, potential injury or something like that. So we're, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to work with both ways here. And that's part of the rehab process that we discussed. Hey, when you're talking about pain and you're talking about load management or things like that, if we move more effectively, more efficiently, we're actually going to improve what you can do. And at the same time, we're also going to improve your pain because we're not putting as much load or stress into the back. So killing two, two birds with one stone, not a bad idea, right? So uh, the next part is we're going to talk about is, is what, uh, how, how do you, how do you, I don't want to say protect, but how do you stiffen, brace, or prepare your back, your torso, your abs, you know, the whole system that the whole midsection that we're talking about when we're talking about deadlifts. So let's, let's imagine, let's, let's, let's break this down a little bit more. And again, when you watch the video, you're going to see how it kind of comes into play a little bit more uh, from a visual standpoint, but the bar is on the ground. My feet are on the ground. What's the way that we connect my body to the bars through my hands, right? So I need to be able, and, and the feet are really what's pushing off the ground in order for me to generate force. So my feet push through the ground to generate force to move the barbell. So the force essentially has to go from my feet all the way through my body, down through my arms, into the hands to be able to move the weight. Now, what is in that? What's the big part in the middle that needs to be stiff to allow us to 
to to move that force. Now, when we say the feet, we're really talking about the lower extremity because the hamstring, the glutes, all that's doing work. We bend the joints in a certain way. We tension them through the muscles. And then the muscles are essentially just moving our, our bones, which are levers around each other to make the movement happen. But the force transfer needs to happen. And when we talk about the midsection, the torso, the core, the abs, whatever that is, we're really looking like, imagine between the ball and socket joints, right? So from my shoulders to my hips, pelvis included, right? That whole midsection, which includes my chest, my abs, part of my pelvis, so on and so forth. That is our torso. So what do we need to do in order to effectively transfer that force is we need to stiffen that system. Now, will there be a little bit of movement in that system? Yes, most likely will be. Research has shown that even, even though we're looking at neutral spines, there still is a little bit of movement, but we're mitigating movement because if there's more movement, then we're, a, we're, a, we're, we're essentially losing force because all that force is going, to the, going through the spine moving rather than being outputted to the actual hands and moving the bar. So that's the whole concept behind a neutral spine, keeping your spine straight, you know, whatever, whatever those, whatever those cues that you've heard over the years, that's what we're talking about. If we can stiffen, keep that spine neutral, then what we're going to do is effectively move. If this is, if, uh, and I'm going to show my elbow here, if you're watching this on YouTube, if, if my elbow, if my forearm is essentially my spine and my elbows, my hips and my shoulders are what need to raise to pull that up. I want this to be as stiff as it can be because as my as my hips come through and it's going to raise my shoulders up which attached my arm attached to my arms and the barbell it's going to help me pull up. If that's soft and we get this kind of extra movement in, you're losing force. And that force that you're losing, it's still force output and load output and if it's going into the lower back as it's flexing, that could potentially lead to some injuries or some aches and pains. And that's essentially what we don't want, right? So again, efficiency and effectiveness while reducing pain, we're going to stiffen that. So how do you stiffen and brace the core? This could be another whole episode in of itself, and we'll probably do one. And we've done we've done many conversations about this in the past. But what we're trying to do is just make it tight, right? So uh, Dr. Stuart McGill does this. Uh, he does this. I, I believe he calls it fascial raking. So imagine someone's coming in to tickle you right in your midsection, kind of on your side, right underneath your ribs. And, and you don't like it, right? So they're coming in and they start grabbing you. What are you going to do? You're going to tighten your abdominal wall pretty tight to prevent them from getting in and trying to tickle you, hurt you, whatever that is, right? Same goes true. If someone's about to punch you in the gut of the stomach, we don't want to soften and pull our stomach in because that's only going to allow the, the fist to go further through. We're going to create this shield, this stiff shield that tightens everything around. And when we do that, we increase the intra-abdominal pressure within our abdominal cavity. And as that pressure pushes outward, just like a, just like a compressed uh, soda can or something like that, it becomes very uh, um, uh, stiff and tight to prevent extra movement. Right now, we can also do this by taking a big, deep breath of air in and holding our breath. That's another way to help, but that also increases your blood pressure um, while doing that. And there could be potential risks depending on what your previous state of uh, blood pressure and um, uh, cardiac issues may or may not be. So, something to consider with that. So, when we expand our torso and stiffen it, we make it essentially a more rigid system. 
it can move and the spine should move. But in this instance, we're talking about stiffening it so that when your lower extremity, your ankles, hips, and knees, and all those muscles start to move the levers, your torso can lift, your shoulders can rise, your arms come with it, and the weight come with, comes with it, right? So we're talking about effective force output as, as the torso is a force transfer uh, system, okay? Uh, now, the last point, which goes in a little bit with when we're talking about the jerking and everything else is that pretension system. With that, when you when you find the when you find the footing, the foot positioning that works best for you, what you're going to find is that allows you to wedge in and create more tension. Again, we're trying to preload uh, with tension to create some, some, some elastic energy that's built up a little bit to help us initiate that movement. And then we get concentric contraction of the muscles actually shortening to make the movement actually happen. Right? So when we're talking about this, as I, as I pre tension in, and it's going to be a little bit different for everyone based on their lever arms, the lengths of their limbs, so on and so forth is you're going to, you're going to find how to wedge in and under the bar to preload and tension the best that you can. Now, what that also allows you to do is imagine your feet kind of screwing into the ground. So uh, if for, just for, for clarity's sake, if we're doing a conventional deadlift where our feet are underneath our hips, toes might be straight, maybe a little flared out. But what I want you to do without actually moving your feet, I want you to try to turn your toes out and your heels in. So what that's going to do is you're going to feel your feet kind of screw into the ground. And as you screw into the ground, it creates a more stable platform so that you can have better force output from the ground. But that also coils up this tension that goes all the way up through your back or all the way up through your legs into your hips and into your lower back to help activate, stiffen, uh, preload, you know, whatever, whatever nomenclature you want to use for that, but it helps get things ready to go. Now that little, that little click in the bar, if we're talking about barbells, so, um, if we're talking about kettlebells, you're basically just trying to start to, uh, pull up on the kettlebell a little bit. So you're like, you're pulling on the kettlebell just enough so it doesn't rise, but you start to feel like it's almost about to hover from the ground. The same goes true for the barbell. That's that pretension. And when we add screwing in, and that's also going to help pre-tension everything else. Now, the other thing that we also want to talk about as far as pre-tensioning and wedging is what are your hands doing? Again, we talked about the system. The force is coming from your feet, from your legs, and then your torso has to move, which raises your shoulders and which pulls your arms. So you need a tight connection, not only between the torso system, but you also need a super tight connection between the shoulders, the arms, and the bar, because that's what's directly related to the task at hand of what you're trying to do doing what you're trying to move. So what we talk about, uh, and, and this is talked about from a number of different coaches, uh, uh, you know, depending on who, who you're listening to is they, they use an example of called breaking the bar, right? So this, this holds true, uh, if for two handed movements, if I'm doing a single handed thing, I, you know, I can get a little bit of, I can get a little bit of torque by externally rotating. That's definitely going to help. But what we're talking about is imagine you have a bar in your hand, right? And you can practice this with a dowel or anything else, but I'm trying, you're trying to snap it in half. And when we talk about snapping in half, uh, you literally imagine you got a stick in your hands, two hands, and I'm trying to 
bend that bar, snap it in half. So if you're watching the YouTube video, you're gonna see my hands externally rotate. I'm gonna demonstrate it in the video as well. But what that does, if I, if I got a nice strong grip on that bar, that handle on both sides, and as I start to break that, you're gonna feel your whole shoulder complex and back start to kind of lock down in pre-tension. This is important because it connects the whole system, right? Oftentimes we see that fast jerky motion or maybe the hips rising too fast simply because we have not pre-tensioned enough and the, and, and the linkage is soft, right? We get a break in the chain system or the linkage system and that's what happens. So by pre-tensioning and wedging everything together, you've now made your whole, your, your whole body a stiffer spring and system so that the force output can be effectively and efficient put out towards actually moving the weight. So five, the five topics we talked about, right? Just as a recap, bar too far forward oftentimes, or just the weight in general, depending on what you're using. Jerking too fast, you're trying to yank the bar off the ground too fast. Hips rising too fast, right? Which is kind of the opposite. Instead of the shoulders rising too fast, we get the hips rising too fast. Uh, and uh, talking about expanding the torso or stiffening basically your midsection for effective force output. And then last but not least is wedging into the ground to uh, wedging into the ground and wedging into the bar to turn on not only the posterior chain, but really realistically the whole system so that everything is nicely connected so that you can effectively and efficiently move the weight or do the task that you're trying to do. Because again, I say do the task because we want the application for outside of just the gym. Uh, I work with the landscaper, right? This guy's been been slinging rocks and moving things and all sorts of stuff for the 25 years he's been doing this career, and he's and he's had a number of disc herniations over the years, uh, confirmed through MRI, but also just based on symptomology when we're doing our intake, and uh, you know part of it is just just the the overall load accumulation, which you know there's sometimes you get around that, but we're talking about it's like hey how can we more effectively help you lift and do the things that you need to do so you can work another 10 years? Cause he loves what he does and he wants to work another 10 years. So we are breaking down, we're breaking down the deadlift motion. Now, obviously the task changes when you don't have nice grips and handles and you're picking up rocks and you're picking up rocks from the ground where you have to bend over more. And sometimes you have to stage those out. So rather than going just from the ground all the way up, you might go from the ground to a box to something else to help you uh, get underneath and move the weight. But but that's what we're talking about is the deadlift is something that moves and changes how and what we do in the in the real world and application. Now, at the beginning, we talked about babies and stuff. Obviously, babies, you don't need a pretension and load and do all this other stuff. But we're talking about how if you can do this in the gym and make your movement in your hinge and your deadlift shaped more effective and efficient, it's going to make you stronger so that when you do the easy stuff, it feels super easy, right? It's it's very hard to have a conversation when we're talking with people and they're talking about weightlifting and things like that. And they're doing deadlifts with six, six and eight pound dumbbells. And we have a conversation. I was like, how heavy is your baby? 25, 30 pounds. It's like your baby is your workout, right? What you're doing for a workout is lighter than what your everyday life is. So sometimes we actually have to do more than what our everyday life is so that we can prepare for everyday life. Imagine how much easier all the normal stuff we got to do is when what you're doing in the gym is actually quite challenging and hard. Makes everyday life a walk in the park. 
You know what I mean? And so that's part of what part of why training and resistance training in particular is so beneficial. It bodes confidence. Oh, hey, hun, I need you to pick up this box and move it to the crawl space to the basement, whatever it is. Yeah, no problem. I've lifted heavy weights. This is no issue, right? Rather than you having to tag team it or do it together, it's like, like feel confident about your body and what the tasks and everything you need to do. That's what we want. That's what we're about. That's what we're trying to help you with. And, and if you don't know, if you're stuck, just ask for help, right? That's why there's personal trainers. That's why there's physical therapists, sports chiropractors, people like myself and my wife who help from not only a movement rehab approach, uh, also body work. If you're having aches and pains to help desensitize that pain structure, work on joint range of motion, so on and so forth, but create more confidence within your body so you can live loud, you can live long, and you can live strong, right? That's what it's all about. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, uh, we will link in the show notes the YouTube video that will be associated with this so you can see those points broken down uh, with an actual barbell and kettlebell so that you can kind of get the components and put them all together. All right, till next time, guys, live loud. Thanks for tuning in.